What you want to do is think deeply about how do I get a lot of students? Well, have everyone know who you are and think that you're awesome and do great work and have your your marketing is your students that are going out in the world being well-rounded, well-adjusted, happy young people. And when someone says, oh my gosh, why is that person so happy and well-rounded? Well, they work with Eric. And that's been a really positive thing for them to learn music. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to another episode. With us again is Eric Branner. Uh, We had a conversation with him a little while back uh, around... Uh, mission and purpose in a school. And to be honest, uh, we recorded these at the very, very same time, but uh, we had such a, uh, uh, a wide variety of topics that we wanted to cover that we just said, hey, let's hit stop and and uh, keep each episode kind of siloed and pure and focused on one topic. Um, so I'm not going to spend too much time introducing this one. I want to jump into it because one of the, the things that you talked about that was on your mind, Eric, was the idea of marketing flywheels. And uh, that's a fancy term. I really, really like it. Maybe we could just start the episode by you, you know, briefly defining what that means to you. And then let's just kind of have an organic conversation around that and business. Absolutely. It's good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the, I am really fascinated by the concept that's of, of what we call a marketing flywheel. And if you, okay. the idea in physics is that a flywheel is a a device that takes a lot of force to get going, right? You're pushing this large uh, cylinder to get moving, right? And what happens is the flywheel gets that, that first rotation, it gets some energy into it, right? And that energy starts to help drive the circle. And so what we're doing is we're considering how we market our business, how we grow our businesses with, with great focus, on getting the flywheel going, right? And there's different ways that we can put energy into our flywheel, right? And this is a way to think as a business owner of, okay, what does it mean? Okay, let's say we're a music school. What does marketing mean? Well, marketing is successful. You're doing it to get new students, to get leads, to get, that is what, and so it should be very clear that what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a system that will eventually be very easy to keep going because if once a flywheel is running, it kind of feels almost as though it's running itself. It's per, it's self-perpetuating in a lot of ways uh, to get new students coming in. Right mm. now, this could be as simple as uh, you know, as say I'm a single music teacher here in Seattle. I still get a couple calls every week about guitar lessons, and you know I haven't been teaching full time for six years. Uh, because I've been doing it forever. My flywheel was being very engaged in my community. Hmm. And I've been doing it so long that those kids have grown up and some of them are having kids now and wanting me to teach their kids. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can think about what makes a flywheel, whether it's like, yeah, I do it through a combination of PPC, SEO, uh, direct mailers and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or it can be as organic as I've just done a really great job in my community for a really long time. 
And now my phone rings every day, right? So this is the marketing flywheel. And I think anybody that's listening, it's really important to think about where you are. And and I'll, I'll go ahead and lead off with the number one thing that I see is people doing too much, too many things without enough focus on the most basic things that can really get their flywheels going. So interesting. What's the number one offender that you see there? Not a person. Like, what do you see? Honestly, go ahead. Right away. Anything that is shiny, like to say, oh my, just get a Google or get a Facebook ads person. Right. And then you're printing leads. Right. And it's like, or oh, do a, do a TikTok campaign. You're going to be printing leads. And it's just, it's not that simple because I, my phone rings because so like if you ask five people in Seattle in my, in a certain community from all the schools, my kids have gone to, or that I've served forever, three of them are going to say, you, you should try to get in with Eric because I've been, I'm old. I've been doing it here forever. I've, I've taught everybody for so long. Um, and if they don't, you'll probably get rep referred to somebody else It'll, that they might be busy. And they'll be like, Oh, you should probably go see Eric if he's got any openings. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, that's much more powerful than them flipping through a non-intent based search and like flipping through their, their Facebook and seeing an ad for your music school. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should get Johnny, you know, piano lessons. So, yeah. So what's interesting about what you're saying there is that um, there is a longevity or there is a long tail to the fact that you're so well known in this community, but how did you build that way back in the day? When, when this was more your focus, what was it, what was it that you did 10 years ago or 20 years ago that led to that kind of, uh, top of mind, um, uh, you know, referring activity by anyone in those five schools or that community? Okay. You know, I, I can, I can, I can answer that really quickly. And it's because of something Nate just said in our last talk about the teacher he was when, you know, 30 years ago to the teacher that he is now. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first moved to Seattle, I taught, and and it all comes down to a very few, very focused group of people that was, you know, I was teaching in a music school at at a really great local music store here. And the owner of the music store and I got along really well. He's a legend in the Seattle music scene. Um, He started referring me to all of his friends. And he was like, he would be hanging out at a softball game with his buddy and say, oh, I got the guy that should teach you how to play for your 50th birthday. Mm. And I would start, and then I got one of those guys. We were featured on the cover of the Seattle Times together. She was a really well-known architect and we became fast friends. That guy was so cool that when Allison got pregnant with our first kid, he asked us to move in with him so we could uh, pay off all of our stuff and build out a new music studio so we could start this new life with a really awesome place in the business in place. That story mm. got, and during that time, I, I was, um, to what Nate said, I was not the teacher that I am now, but I was so enthusiastic. There is energy in being a youthful person who loves to teach, mm. right? So although I wasn't as good of a teacher as I might be now, I was totally into it. And I did these initiatives like the guitar barbecue, where I would have 200 people come and I'd cook for them, right? And uh, I wasn't, my, my daughter would hang out when she was a baby in my studio on the floor. And all my students knew my, my, I did not teach my daughter guitar and she's ripping now. My students did when they babysat her. And so it was just a community, right? And the more people we had teaching and the whole thing just kind of happened very naturally from a few people. 
I have to say this before I kick it to you, Nate, that if you're taking notes and I've had people email us and say, I, I take notes when I listen to your podcast, but if you're taking notes, you say, okay, meet such and such a person and then move in with them. Like it doesn't work that way, but there is a deeper principle that's work underneath it is that the kismet, the, the, the chance happenstance that those things happen came because of relationship. That, that, that is the takeaway here. Um, so you might not be teaching guitar, so you can't throw a, a guitar barbecue, but there is a sense that if you're moving out into the community with good intention, just wanting to build relationships, that doesn't scale necessarily, but boy, does it start building relationships, which then lead to those things later. And every one of us, as Eric pointed out at the beginning, where, or no, no, while we were talking before we hit record, if the three of us all opened a school, it would have a very different feel. Similarly, when you start operating in this way, the kinds of things that will happen to you are the kinds of things that would happen to you, not to Eric or to Nate or to me. Um, you got to do things that don't scale sometimes. Oh, alongside of the things that 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 are that are more programmatic and and tried and true. Yeah, I think you should repeat that because is that you need to do both. You need mm. to have something in your marketing flywheel that does not scale. And then you have need to have things in your marketing flywheel that do scale, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's different if you run a Facebook ad and you're doing all this community outreach and someone sees your Facebook ad after they heard from a friend about the recital you just put on. And like, is that the person? Is, you know, is Daniel, the per- is that the person whose school that was that did that? Because then you've got, that's the flywheel perpetuating itself. Absolutely. Uh, one very, very short question. Um, have you actually, because I haven't seen this, I, but this is more curiosity. Have you actually seen people recommending TikTok ads? Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Or you, you are using TikTok deeply as their strategy. I mean, Snapchat okay. and TikTok are like the two. Yeah. A lot of, a lot, depending, and especially if you're selling a product. Okay. Right. For any kind of product based marketing, like that's, you know, they're saying that's value of Facebook ads 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? Okay. The reach. I sometimes forget that you are plugged into more communities than just the music teacher community. So maybe you're seeing it in communities outside of what I'm used to seeing. Cause I've yet to see someone really push that as the next wave of how music schools will get students. Um, but I just had to ask Nate, I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, what do you got? I'm sure you've got some questions over there. I want to go back to the, when you were defining flywheel, Eric, because there's a, there's a part of your definition that's so important for us not to forget, which is you said it requires an enormous amount of initial force to even get the thing rolling. Um, And it kind of brought to mind this question of stages of energy we have as founders. Like in that early stage, you were saying you were so psyched to teach, but you were clearly so psyched to do all kinds of things. Because you were not just teaching, you were going out into the community, you were, I mean, the fact that you were throwing a guitar barbecue and you were cooking for them Mm -hmm. is amazing because people don't think, let me cook for a bunch of people as their (laughs) strategy. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? They don't think that way. However, my guess is that everybody listening actually has a version of that in them. Yes. That would work. And so let's go back to the initial force moment. You're young, you're doing it, you're in Seattle, you're psyched, you're going out, you're, you're, you're trying every idea, including a guitar barbecue. How is it that someone can choose where to put their energy? 
initially because you're risking so many. You you have to risk the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that's a great question. I think that first initial phase, I like to think of it as the hustle. Like, yeah, you might be hanging up. There's a there's a time when if you have to make something happen, you know, I didn't want to work. My dad was a serial entrepreneur. I never wanted to really work for anybody else. I was very motivated to be self-employed and to make a living as a musician. So I, you know, when I worked at a grocery store, at a little corner store, I had my guitar there and I'd play behind the counter and I got students that way, you know, and I got a kid's birthday party. That was one of my first students uh, that became a client. Like I was, I hung up flyers. I did that whole thing. It's like, so I think when you first start, you, you have to be willing to make mistakes and you have to just go for it. And you have to, and you have to begin with, understand what you want to do. I want to get students. So many people do their marketing to be like, oh, we're building brand. We're trying to build name recognition. And it's like, you're not really marketing towards what your end goal is, right? What you want to do is think deeply about how do I get a lot of students? Well, have everyone know who you are and think that you're awesome and do great work and have your your marketing is your students that are going out in the world being well-rounded, well-adjusted, happy young people. And when someone says, oh my gosh, why is that person so happy and well-rounded? Well, they work with Eric. And that's been a really positive thing for them to learn music, you know, or Eric's school or your, you know, it's, it's, I think that in the grind phase, you have to be ultra focused on doing a lot, seeing what sticks, dropping things that don't work and having the wisdom to know when some things take time. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the thing I, we never know. It's like, let's say I'm trying to do this thing. I'm hanging up flyers and I hang up a hundred flyers. And I get nothing. Then I hang up 101 flyers and two people get torn off. And one of them is someone who owns, you know, a daycare where you end up getting 40 students from it. Like you just never know. I mean, I'm sure you both can say this thing. Oh, yeah. The same thing. You As you go through your life, you'll have like I, I've been in a, in a period in myself right now where I've really desperately needed some big wins for the amount of energy that I put into the world. Mm. And I have not felt like I've gotten them. Mm. And I've been starting to lose the faith that they were going to come and they're starting to come and they've been coming. And it it was like, you know, this, I'm in the middle of a six year project right now. Right. And after four years, you start to be like, oh, this is exhausting. Yeah. And you're like, should I maybe be pivoting to do something else? Uh, Should I be, you know, should I be moving this in a new direction? Am I crazy? Um, And then suddenly it, it all happens. Like in one day, three cool things will happen. You can't believe happened right? That you've been waiting for. And so that's just, that's reality that I think all of you that own your own business would agree with. Absolutely. You know, Eric, yeah, uh, that brings up this idea that I am constantly journaling about for myself, which is the differentiator between navigation and activation. And it's like, if you're so clear on your navigation, your personal compass, i.e. you described it, you're not marketing, a brand. I'm not marketing Brooklyn Music Factory, the brand, I'm marketing the transformation of a family that joins us for on a 10 year journey. You know, that's actually what I'm marketing is just that vert that what the transformation looks like. Most likely seven to 10 years from now, you will have a family band because that's what so many Brooklyn (sighs) factory students start out as a student that then the whole family's playing. Right. And so that's actually what we're marketing. But, um, Hmm around your faith comment, which is so important for us to pause on, because I do not question, nor do I hear in you questioning around the personal compass, the navigation, a six-year project that's a long-term commitment, right? 
What happens is that when we get chinks in the armor, when we don't get the big win we needed, it's almost like, or what happens to me is that I, it, you mentioned this when we were chatting on a previous episode, I can tend to go inward, which leads to less activation. And less confidence. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I don't have quite the confidence I did, so I don't act as often. And the fewer, and then when I find myself sort of whatever procrastinating or whatever version I do, less action, more existential crisis. Well, maybe I'm not actually doing the right thing. Maybe I should pivot my entire life. What happens is I've totally reduced the chance of having the chance encounter you just described 15 minutes ago, right? You don't, or even five minutes ago where you're like, you don't know who's going to pull the tab. It could be the woman who runs the daycare down the street. You know, um, and so I'm wondering if you can just share, uh, and then I do have a question, a second follow-up, but I'm wondering if you can share how you've been managing just faith in your long-term projects personally, like what are some of the, some of the practices that you're working through that are helping you? Um, oh, you, you know what I would, to be honest, I'd say that's not something I'm great with, you mm. know, that's like a, that's like a. That's my weakness is I hold every project way too close. Like if, if I were to have a great executive coach, they'd be like, you hold this way too closely. Uh, I stay up at night worrying about our investors. Mm. I stay up at night worrying about our customers. I stay, I mean, I, I'm a inveterate warrior. My granny was a warrior. Like, you know, that's like in our, it's like in our, and it's like, that's, and I think it's a gift and that I care so much about the work that I do. And I always have but I do not have a healthy relationship with it. So I'm definitely not the guy to ask about it. I am okay. someone who wakes up pretty much every night between two 30 and three mm-hmm. often, you know, having a hard time breathing and I get up and I think meditate through it, do some work. Uh, but that's been the average for me for years. And so that's, just, and that's baked into me. And it's like, I used to just kind of hide it. Cause I'm also very positive. Right. And I, and uh, that, but that's the area I struggle most with. So not a pro in that department. <laughs> so if you have any great recommendations, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> no, I just, I, I appreciate you being so open and transparent about it because, because you are, you have an incredible optimism, dude. And I've, you know, I've, I don't, I guess we met a couple years, a couple years ago, maybe, but I've, I've certainly followed you and I, and I love how engaged you are with the community, whether it's like, you know, on Facebook or just, you're always reaching out, you're bringing people together. You're asking like, how can we help one another? That's it's, I think it's super valuable for our listeners to know that, Hey, you know what? It's not always pretty, you know, it's hard to maintain that level of optimism and um, it's a work in progress. Like everything, you know, I am, I'm with you. I'm a, I have tripled down on my meditation practice to try to maintain yes. as much peace and joy as I can in any given day. And yeah. I, I do not mess with my routine in the morning because honestly, the day just unravels. If I do, <laughs> you know, it's that's, those are critical tools for the times we're living in. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com 
slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. You know, there is that element of, you know, trying to choose to remain optimistic and people will really turn on you on that. And they'll call you out and be like, what's up, Pollyanna or whatever. And nah. you know, but, but, but what's your alternative, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, if you don't, if you don't choose that path of trying to keep your mind in check, like the alternative is not keeping your mind in check. So right. it's to me, it's a pretty clear decision to do everything you can, even if you don't mean it mm. to try to keep that optimism going because the alternative sucks. Right. And it's like, and it spirals. So <laughs> no kidding. Let's talk for, maybe we can wrap on this around this idea of how you link sort of this concept of the marketing flywheel to what you said is essential, which is ultimately having a sustainable business that can last maybe well beyond even the founder. Um, I wonder if you could just maybe just talk in, in closing about around why you link those two things. Um, Yeah. And, and, Oh, go ahead, Nate. No, no, no. That's just, yeah. Daniel thoughts. And I would say I would, I would make those comments in light of something that would be helpful to a mid-sized to larger school owner. Um, obviously we all have our different experiences and we've all, uh, we all have different perspectives on that business is business, but I think we all have the wisdom here, especially working with school owners and, and being them. Um, how can we apply that to that market to kind of bring it more back to who, who we're talking to with this podcast? Sure. Yeah. I think that uh, the marketing flywheel into a sustainable model and all, you know, and you have to also begin like, you know, Nate, you're, you're at a point with your school, you're 12 years in is that that organization, right. Has seen a lot. It's done a lot. You've reached a certain level that it's like really difficult to take it to like a, a totally, like whatever that next level would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you run out of space, you run out, I mean, you're serving your market. You, you run out of, you can't just willy nilly charge more. Um, so you're constantly having to be like, well, how do we optimize? And, and so optimization is a really important concept. That's really what you're saying you're doing. When you say edit, you're like, how can I optimize? How can I remove constraints to make things work better, to keep customers being more recurring, to have them last with us longer? And you have to be really crafty. But I think that if you're going as a general building your marketing flywheel, you have to say, okay, cool. I'm a mid-sized music school. I've gotten to a certain level. I know something about business. I've got my admin. So yeah, your flywheel, the number one thing that I see is a lack of focus. I would rather say a mid-sized music school, just be good at Google ads than even do any of the other stuff we talked about, mm-hmm. right? If you have one thing that you're good at to bring leads in that I, and I would, I do think intent-based if for people that are listening, you probably know what that, what we're talking about. Intent-based makes a lot more sense at that level, right? Um, I know that there's a great you know, music school right down the road for me that I really love. Right now, they're super pushing. There's a band that came out of there that's doing really well called Them. It's like a girl, teenager. They're, I think they're going to they're gonna do something with themselves. They're just playing all the farmer's markets. They're playing all these little gigs. My daughter goes and sees them. Wow. Uh, and uh, the, they're very affiliated with the school. Like that's on the flip side. This is brilliant marketing, right? Is they have, they have, they're taking a successful uh, group and they're promoting the crap out of them. Right. So I, I really appreciate schools that have focus, 
right? And you say, yeah, we need to gen leads through Google ads. And we're going to put a thousand bucks a month into that. And that's going to give us this thing. And then we have our team really focus on the outreach or the things that, or if we have a really charismatic founder, put Mm -hmm. that founder out front, have them doing what you're doing, playing drums, the stands, because that's what people remember. It's like the Maya Angelou things like people remember how you made them feel. Right. And like mm. and any organization that doesn't, that isn't doing that, that isn't like, yeah, you put together family bands that makes people feel wonderful. They're connecting with their kids. Oh my gosh. If you can't sell that, there's something wrong with you. Right. It's like, <laughs> that's sellable. And, yeah. you know, and so it, it's how we move that message. And, and you're right, Daniel, that doesn't, TikTok isn't the place to move that, because <laughs> that's not where it, it goes. So I think that would be my encouragement for anybody we work with. And we see it so quickly. A new school comes onto the platform and the schools that are doing, you know, that 900 to 1.5 million um, in in transactions and and revenue a year and consistently growing, you know, going from half a million to a million and then up again, those firms, they've got that baked in. Somebody's taught them how to do that. They've got, they're, they're killing Google ads, right? They're, um, and, and they've got that doubt on people that get so excited about saying, oh, we're going to just really go for SEO so hardcore. And they're going to get, well, it takes a long time to build SEO well. And it takes a serious expert and it's ever changing. You get your SEO dialed in, Google can pull that out from under you immediately. It, ha- it happens. So I think focus and discipline, because uh, if you look on the, in the groups, I'll, I'll finish it by saying, and you see people change so quickly. Right. And this is where having somebody you're working with, like a coach that can help guide you to know when to stay with what you're doing and when to cut and run, mm. because it's real easy to say, I, I tried Google ads for a week. Nothing. God damn it. Now I'm gonna do Facebook ads for a month. I found this great Facebook person. Oh, I got an SEO coming in. Can someone build me a new website? Cause I want to do that. Like you'll see people go through that cycle in six That's weeks. Fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so, you know, lo- I'd say balance it long tail strategy which is everything we've talked about today with making sure you have some kind of intent-based lead gen, right? To balance that. And then, then it's all to your sales process and your product. 100%. It, feels, it, it feels to me like what I keep hearing is this balance, which is there are very specific techniques. Like Daniel, this is how Daniel and I met was around improving the funnel for Brooklyn Music Factory. We focused almost exclusively on improving the Google Ads funnel, right? Um, but it seems to me like there's an important balance. There's a balance between that technique you're talking about, Eric. And then there needs to be some um, uh, very intentional um, sort of use of the resources you have that are more organic and community focused. So like, I think it's important to say that again, like when me going out to sit at the camp tables is like you going out you cooking for a whole bunch of people at the guitar barbecue is like, <laughs> you know, like um, it's like, you know, Daniel, like Daniel, you're great at getting on an open-ended call with anybody who has any question around music schools. You're amazing at that. That's your zone. Right. And so like, to me, it's a balance between those two things. So if you're listening to this, ask yourself what you'd show up to every week for the next three years if you knew that there was a long-term benefit, long-tail benefit to your business that you would just do whether you were getting paid or not. Because the reality is I would go play drums whether I was getting paid or not for, with a bunch of kids. I would write a song with them. Hmm. You know? So 
I wonder if I can close with one last question because I'm fascinated by the fact that you get to engage Eric with, you know, um, like basketball coaches that are using fonts and piano teachers that are using fonts. And they might be different size businesses. They may not be. They might be the exact same gross. You might see the same amount coming through both of those um, small businesses. Is there like, share with us one similarity between those two very different businesses, coaching your son versus teaching them, teaching him guitar. Like, Oh, I I can tell you, because I've, you know, this is my, my wife's an actor. I'm a guitar player. Both of our kids are fabulous athletes. So we knew nothing about this. And so we, um, and my best friend was a professional tennis player. So we have invested heavily in their mentorship, you know, heavily. And, and, um, and we know what look to look for in someone that, that has got that passion. You can't fake that. Like the people that are really into doing this work, um, we, we will beat out people that are just generic business owners that want to own a franchise of a music school any day, or you're not, you're doing something wrong. Right. That's like the first thing, but I would, I'd love to, you know, one of my son's basketball coaches, and I've been thinking about this a lot, and this is to where product marketing is, is in his world. My son does is in AAU basketball. He's 10 years old. Um, everyone says, don't do AAU. It's like they scream and they yell. The parents get in fights at the games. Uh, there's technical fouls. And this is all true. I've seen all of this happen. And, you know, here's me. It's like, I'm like, I'm, I'm passive. I'll hug anybody. I'll bring orange slices for halftime. I'm not fighting anybody. Like this is like, this is not happening. um, but, uh, my son, this coach is so passionate and it's old school. It's yelling. It is, you know, you miss a free throw and you practice walking around the gym saying, I lost the game. I lost the game. And I'm like, this is terrible. (laughs) My son is thriving so much in this environment and he's having so much fun with the community he's built and the people that he's meeting, he's going to play with. He is like, if you, you know, it is that respecting that people are different and that we can all offer like the coach of this particular program is hell bent on teaching them. Uh, resilience yeah. and that pain that can come with being a high level athlete and, uh, and, and drilling every day, you know, that's two and a half hours a day of practice four days a week. And most kids are really, it's not for them, but for a subset, it's perfect. So this coach is delivering a product that he believes in that most people don't want. Yeah. He's got a hundred kids signed up to max capacity for his summer camps the day he opens them up because there's that, these kids aren't just in Seattle. They're coming from an hour away to come to this. Cause if you want to be really good, you know, you go there, you know, my son went to this camp for like three weeks and he went from being kind of playing part of the game, never starting. He's a core starter on his team. Now it is create a flywheel within himself of success. So he, and this is the idea is that we create a product that people will either want to leave. People come to lessons with me and they walk out and they feel like, wow, I had a great time being with Branner. He loved me. He heard me. We played music together. I got a little bit better. Um, or, and they look forward to coming in, you know, and those moments, this style of coaching that you see in athletics sometimes can be, you look forward to walking out of, you're scared to go, you know, you're going to get yelled at. It's going to be hard and torturous. But you know, when you walk out, you're going to be close to your goal and music can do this too. Right. And it's like something that we, it allows us to be authentic, lean into what we want to. And I, I, I'm, 
I'm sorry I'm taking so long talking about it, but I'm fascinated by it. And I'm looking at all these different coaches and it's the ones that do know what they want to do, right? I don't need to make, I was a concert classical guitar player, but I'm not going to make competition winners. That's not my trip, but I know somebody that could be, that's a different skill set. And I think the people that can lean into that, you know, that's success. Yeah. What I hear you saying is the, um, you have to be hot or cold. You can't be lukewarm. And, and, um, and if a restaurant were to open and they say, Hey, you know, you know, you know, the strategy to win here is to offer every kind of cuisine. So we're going to have Mexican, we're going to have sushi, we're going to have Americana, we're going to have bratwurst and beer. Like that restaurant would fail. You've got to pick something. And the two biggest problems that I see in music schools are either a, uh, they they do try to have a little bit of everything and they don't have anything that makes them unique like this basketball coach. You know, not only do you know who wants to go there, you, you want to have people that would never dream of going there, you know, and then or the other thing is just maybe and I've, I've set, found this less frequently, but there's actually a teacher who's doing brilliant work, but they simply don't know how to communicate what makes them unique. They don't have those skills yet. I was in a session today with a bunch of my marketing clients and one of them just exasperatedly said, I wish I could just hire someone to do this. And I stopped everything. And I said, here's the deal. This is the fantasy that everybody has, that there's someone out there, the copywriter, the, the Facebook ads person that could do all this for you. They cannot. And I have proof and we don't have the time for me to tell the story. Maybe I'll tell it sometime in the future, but I used to build marketing for schools and I, I'm very good at it. And the marketing I built for some schools would work like gangbusters. And then I would build the exact same stuff for another school and it wouldn't work at all. And it was because of the environment I was building it in. The hard skills that you need to have as a, as a school owner slash business owner is communication skills and the creativity to begin to look at the words coming out of your client's mouths and know how to turn that into marketing and messaging and know how to respond to it, get out in front of people, mm. um, anticipate and, um, and all this is connected to what you're saying there, Eric, which is this idea of, of uh, you, you, need, you need to be the hero to someone and the villain to someone else. And this might be, this might be easier to do if you're a basketball coach, but you can do it as a music teacher too. Yes. There were people that left my t studio and they're like, um, like email, people who email me like, oh, we're not enrolling him. And I was fine with that because I, I could feel the instant I started that lesson with him that it was not a good fit. And that's the best thing that can happen. Absolutely. You know, is to just to know that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now... I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.